Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. This episode is sponsored by Isotope. Their audio software like RX helps to clean up my recordings, and they have a ton of other products on their site, isotope.com slash ruinous. Right now, Ruinous Media and Fretboard Journal listeners save 10% at checkout on any Isotope plugin or bundle using the code FRET10. So if you have a podcast or produce music, go to isotope.com slash ruinous and shop their award-winning audio production products and save 10% off your order with the code FRET10. Make your audio sound better. Thanks for listening. This is episode 36 of the Design Freaks podcast, where we talk music industry, art, design. I hope everyone's doing well out there. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. That's why I'm kind of talking fast. I feel like the micro machine dude um, because I want to go outside. (laughs) I'm Clarita. I'm the host. And this is sort of an extension of the poster show. My guest this episode is Roy G. Biv, a poster artist from San Francisco, no, from Oakland, California, sorry, Bay Area. It was so fun chatting with Roy. I need to start by saying that, wow, I forgot a lot of things as I was talking in this episode. There's a little thing that happens when you're recording yourself that words and phrases that are normally accessible immediately to you are nowhere to be found. So that happened a few times with us. And I wanted to just clear up in case you're like yelling at your phone. Duh, it's the art of the Fillmore. Yeah, that's the name of the book we were talking about. We just never said the name of it, you know? Sometimes for the flow of conversation, things just kind of pass us by like we're on a fast train of words. But yeah, that was the book. That's what I was talking about. Um, Looking at it right now, I had to go dig it out. Um, Another book I took out of my collection Uh, that we chatted about that we never said the name of. Uh, We were talking about Barney Bubbles, and the book by Paul Gorman is Reasons to be Cheerful, The Life and Work of Barney Bubbles. Highly recommended. I also recommend that you check out episode four of the Design Freaks podcast. That's the Barney Bubbles episode. I talk with Seattle musician Brian Standridge all about Barney Bubbles, his career, Uh, mostly focusing on the Hawkwind era and some early commercial work. So check that out. The double live album by Hawkwind was Space Ritual, of course. Oh yeah, the the brand that I was thinking of. uh, I may have even taken this whole part out because it was so frustrating to listen to. (laughs) Was Strongbow Cider. Barney Bubbles branded them with that Archer logo originally which was super cool um and it just didn't come to me but i'll never forget it again and then lastly 
is the Glastonbury Fair. I believe, well, that was what I was talking about, the Glastonbury Fair packaging that had the fold-out poster with the pyramid. There's a, a bunch of inserts. There's an illustrated booklet. There's a cutout page where you create a dome. It's called Dome Sweet Dome. Of course, in Colin Fulcher style, it's over the top. Anyways, it was a great conversation. I had so much fun. I love the band Glitter Wizard. I'm so excited for their tour. They're going to be playing some shows later this summer, I believe in August. I have a full song I'm including at the end of this episode and some other songs sprinkled. As usual, I want to say thank you to everyone listening. Thank you for downloading, sharing, etc. This is a weirdly specific little show. So... And if you rate and review, it does help other people find it. Um, check out all the photos and links, blah, 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 at designfreakspodcast.com. You can contact me there, find all my socials, go to Glitter Wizard Bandcamp for more music podcasts on the Ruinous Media Network. As always, check out ruinousmedia.com. And now I talk to Roy G. Biv. Hello. Hi, how are you, Roy? I am doing pretty well by this year's standards. I hear that. Um, <laughs> are you are you in Oakland? I am in Oakland. Uh, how are things going there? Are you vaccinated? I see you are playing a show this summer. How are things looking? Uh, things are things are picking up. Um, fully vaxxed, ready to go. Uh, got right. our first batch of shows scheduled for early August with Glitter Wizard. So very much looking forward to getting back into that. Nice. So, okay. So I, um, for the listeners, I, and for you, I saw your work on Instagram and I've been following for a while, stalking you. Uh, <laughs> and you do all the art for Glitter Wizard, I'm assuming, because it looks similar, right? Yes. Yeah. It's really cool. And what do you do in the band? I sing and I do a lot of the writing. Ooh, very cool. Are there any outfits involved? Lots of outfits. <gasps> we are very much an outfit band. Oh, shit. Okay, so I stupidly have not seen these videos yet. Um, where can we watch? Are there YouTubes? Yes, lots of YouTubes. We got a handful of music videos, probably some poorly recorded live video as well. Guessing you started with drawing and illustration. That's yes. my guess. Yes. Did you go to art school or design school? Uh, I took 
art classes in community college for a couple years, if that counts. Mm, yep. um, I originally was going to get a degree in graphic design and basically decided I didn't like how much I had to rely on computers for that. Mm. So I dropped out of school and uh, have just been working on kind of doing my own thing artistically ever since then. Okay, so you work primarily analog then? Yeah, most of what I do, I will draw in the real world and then scan it and, you know, kind of put the finishing touches and color it in Photoshop. But I like the hands-on part of the, the drawing portion. When I first started doing uh, concert posters professionally, I would do all analog. I would color these 11 by 17 posters with markers and probably spend 20 or 30 dollars on our supplies for every poster and get paid about the same amount (laughs) and i'd i'd spend two days just coloring the thing and i i basically just decided i i couldn't spend that much time on on Mm -hmm. each piece if i was cranking them out at the speed i was so Mm -hmm. i switched to doing all my coloring in photoshop and honestly i think it looks better than my old hand colored ones anyway so I'm into it. I I love that approach that you're using technology as a tool, Mm -hmm. not as the entire thing. Yes. You know, the entire process. That's great. Um, What was I going to say? I love the new gig poster for your upcoming or your uh, August show. Thank you. It feels Uh, good to be doing posters for live (laughs) events again after a year and a half. It's so weird how the pandemic just rippled out and affected venues musicians venue artists everybody so you were affected in two different ways yes absolutely yeah. is it gonna be do you feel weird have you gone to band practice and stuff yet yeah uh glitter wizard has been practicing for a couple months now we were you know we were kind of doing it like once a month and people were a little skittish about it but then as soon as we all got vaccinated we're back full force I'm getting ready to record a new EP this weekend. That's nice. So or did you lose income from, like, were you making money, uh, like, designing for venues, or was that just for your band? No, I do it for a lot of bands. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I, it's not my main job, but it is something that helps pay the bills. Uh, mm-hmm. on, on a good month, I can pay my rent with art. Uh, so... I definitely have not been making any significant money off of artwork during the pandemic because most of what I do is for bands who weren't mm-hmm. active. But you also are a handyman? I am. Right? I own a handyman business. Oh, what? Uh, that must be so refreshing to not stare at a computer in tiny little details. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a really great job. Uh, I have been working for this company for about four years and uh, just uh, took it over a few months ago. And I love it because I'm doing different work every day. So I don't get tired of my job. I have other guys that'll do the big like one piece jobs, but I'll do, you know, a little bit of electrical, a little bit of plumbing, drywall repair, painting, just all kinds of stuff. Okay. I was going to ask what makes a man handy? 
it's that it's the being able to do like base or not base level, but like being able to do some of all of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Have you ever been electrocuted? Not seriously. <laughs> I've definitely zapped myself a number of times. <laughs> that makes it sound like it was funny. Not <laughs> but when I was a kid, I feel good though. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to play this game, uh, cause I grew up around farms in the Midwest and you'd get a line of kids to all hold hands and the kid at one end would put his empty hand on the ground and the kid at the other end would grab an electric fence <gasps> and it would shoot down the whole line of kids. I saw it straight up what? knock a kid's hat a foot into the air off of his head. What? <laughs> oh my God. And then a slide whistle sound happened. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Okay, so is that just like, is there a diminishing return at the end? Like what, or is it all the same amount of electricity? I, you know, I I didn't do it enough times to know if there's a difference from being on the front end to the back oh end. God. Probably not, though. This sounds like a drawing you need to do. <laughs> you know, it's almost like a um, human caterpillar of, or human centipede, rather, of electricity. A, a little less gross than that, but yeah. <laughs> Wow. And so, so you would not like lose consciousness. Oh, no, feel no, no. A little tingle or something. Yeah. Everybody like would kind of do like, it looked like they were doing the, the breakdancing move. Oh my God. And, and then, you know, a couple shouts and a couple giggles and you move on. Oh my God. You move on refreshed and ready to go. Yeah. Makes you feel alive. I bet. I know. I shocked myself not that long ago and was like, damn, that was kind of. Oh, it's because I have, um, I live in the city and I have a flashlight that has a stun gun on the end. Oh. So it doubles and sometimes I push the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in my pocket. I have these deep pockets and I reached in and pushed the button and I was like, actually, this felt kind of good. Um, <laughs> like, so it's not a good weapon. So I don't carry it anymore at night. But yeah. um, I'll just end up like arousing someone on accident. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, okay, so is that what you do in the country? You do stuff like that, cow tipping? Yeah. You know, I've never actually tipped a cow. Uh, we, we, did, we did attempt to go cow tipping once in high school. We, uh, we were camping, and there was a cow pasture nearby, and we were, we were all set to do it. And then uh, the sun set, and we went back to our, the cows that we had selected, and the herd had disappeared, so... <laughs> I, but never had you know our what's always left behind. That's true. Those fresh we, mushrooms. I'm sure that, that I don't know if we'd be able to find them in the dark though. Um. So when did you get out of there? When did you move to California? I have been in California my entire adult life. So I've lived in this state longer than I haven't at this point. Okay. So you moved to Oakland. You kind of hook up with other weirdos. You're playing music. You're doing art. How did you get connected to like eventually creating posters for like Power Trip? Well, I'm obsessed with Power Trip, <laughs> but like Blue Cheer, Jonathan Richmond. How did that happen? Blue Cheer, believe it or not, was my first paid art piece. Shut up. 
Yeah. Um, I was living in Santa Cruz at the time, and there was another poster artist in town, Stacy Willoughby, um, who, if you're not familiar with her work, you should check it out. She's amazing. Okay. And at that point, she kind of had, she had the scene on lockdown. Like, she was the resident poster artist for Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to get in on it, but there weren't a lot of opportunities except for this one venue who they were kind of new and they were putting on really cool shows like blue cheer. And, uh, I just went in one day and I had tracked down the booker and I asked him if I could do posters and he asked me how much I wanted to get paid. And I told him and he laughed at me and he said, he'd give me $20 a pop. Uh, but I got to go see free shows and, I was very, very poor at the time. So $20 and free tickets for me and a couple friends. Hell every yeah. Week. yeah. That was worth it to me. And so I got to do a lot of posters for really big bands. I did Blue Cheer. I did Sebado. I did Kid Congo Power, Zolar X, uh, Bob Log, Blowfly. Did you, f oh, I love Blowfly. Did you feel like you were kind of, did you have imposter syndrome since you had just start, kind of started getting, you know, being a professional at this? I was hardly a professional. Um, well, you were getting paid something. Yeah, but, I, you know, I was spending like 12 hours on a poster and getting paid $20 for it. Okay. And and the, the promoter at that venue was just this total flaky stoner, and half the time he'd lose my original piece before it even made it to the printer. Oh, so it wouldn't even no. get used. Don't so give I him don't... the original. <laughs> well, I learned that the hard way. Uh, yeah. Once, once I was able to afford a scanner and do that on my own, I started doing that, but Yikes. I, I don't have any posters from that period because they were all lost. Oh but my, God. my memory of those posters is probably better than the, the actual art. So maybe that's for the best. Uh, some of your drawings look like comics. Uh, mm -hmm. which I want to ask you about in a second for that B-A-C-K. But um, some of them, like there's, for instance, the one uh, with the Grim Reaper shotgunning a beer. Uh huh. Was that one panel of a bigger story or? Uh, well, there's two panels to that one, but uh -huh. it was uh, it, it was one of those, uh, you know, Instagram drawing prompt things. Oh, okay. And so it was just the, I think the theme was Party Reaper. <laughs> so I just did a two-panel thing of a of a Grim Reaper shotgunning beers. Well, that drew itself then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I love the panels though. It's so uh, it's a specific thing to think that way in mm -hmm. those like little storyboards. Um, how did that come about? Is that your publication, the B A C K? Uh, I do most of the organizing for it. Um, it's it started off. The idea was that we were trying to get a lot of the Bay Area poster artists mm -hmm. to do a group comic, kind of uh, inspired by Zap. Mm, um, right. But we realized that our small group of people was just enough to fill an issue if everyone got their artwork done. And I don't know if you've ever tried to organize a large group of artists, but it's nearly impossible. Uh, so... Right now, we have a, a list of about 40 artists mm -hmm. who are at least interested in being contributors, but uh, we end up with about 
I don't know, maybe a dozen per issue that actually get artwork done for the deadline. But yeah, we're putting together our third issue right now, and we've got we've got people all across the United States, as far as as far away as Australia, and wow. I think we've got a couple of European artists involved as well. Very cool. Uh, yeah. And then when does that next one come out? I'm sorry. Uh, who knows? Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not... I can tell you when I want to have it out, but that all depends on enough people turning in artwork to actually publish it. Are you still accepting artwork? You, we are accepting artwork. Um, could we announce it or? Yeah. Um, if you are interested in submitting comics to back comics, uh, you can email me at hail the wizard at gmail.com and good luck <laughs> <laughs> um what does it stand for bay area bay area comic collective Ooh, with a k with a k Red, orange, yellow. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and then indigo and violet? Yeah. I wrote down here, what's up with indigo and violet? Um, you know. <laughs> it used to make me so mad when I was a kid. I'd be like, why don't they just say blue and purple? Well, purple is, the, the name is owned by the Crayola Company. What? Yeah, they invented that word. Okay. Has anyone told Prince? No. I Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't think they ever enforce it, but yeah, that's it's that's like Kleenex. Everybody uses it, but it's a it's a brand name. Wait a minute. They don't own the color, but they own that particular the word, word for the color. So the name, I'm sure everybody asks you about the name. Obviously, you deal with color. Is that the, is that why? You know, uh, in my in my brief tenure in art classes in community college, I was a attempting to be a painter for a little while. I wasn't very good at it. Uh, on one of the paintings I had done, I had just painted Roy G. Biv on it for some re reason, mm -hmm. just to be weird, I guess. And my art teacher pointed out that it kind of looked like a signature, and that would be a cool nom de plume. Mm. And I've used it ever since. Were you like uh, inspired by like psychedelia in general? Are there specific poster artists that you love? I mean, I really love all that 60s stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've been a fan for a really long time and very shortly after I started doing my own posters, uh, an acquaintance of mine, not even someone I knew really well, gave me a copy of uh, the, you know, the big rock art book mm -hmm. with the purple cover. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just like, I think you need this. I think you'll get more use out of it than I, than I have. 
And that's that's been my Bible ever since. I've just poured over every poster in that book mm-hmm. and studied it. And I actually um, I went to an event a few years ago that was organized by Moon Alice mm-hmm. um, and got to meet a lot of the old school mm-hmm. Detroit artists, What? which was very cool. What kind of an event was it? Uh, well, there is a there's a gallery slash print studio in San Francisco, and they were doing a showing of a lot of the old Grandy Ballroom posters. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of those guys have worked with Moon Alice, as have I. And so the day after the showing, they had like, a little brunch for all the artists to come and meet each other and just talk shop and rub shoulders. And it was really cool. I got to meet some of my idols. Wes Wilson is probably the most influential mm-hmm. old school poster and artist. Stanley Mouse, who I don't me. think is alive. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is either. Um, um, I think Wes Wilson just died. I think he died last year. Yeah, you're right. He did. He just passed away. Um, while you're looking, isn't it weird? Okay, so Barney Bubbles got his name from like psychedelic oil projections, right? And which which he did some he of. He started it. He was like yeah. the first one to do that in San Francisco when he moved from London or whatever. But none of his art looks like that traditional. It looks he looked like early new wave back then. Well. So that was weird. that was like the second phase of his career. He was the Hawkwind artist for a long time. Right, and that was way more traditionally psychedelic. It was psychedelic, but in an angular way. It wasn't yeah, like totally. very fluid looking. For me, like I'm thinking of X in Search of Space. And mm-hmm. and the other one, not so much. The one with um, Stacia on the cover. Yeah, the double, the double live album. I don't own it on vinyl. I'm not a millionaire. People think like I have every record I talk about. I'm like I don't. I wish. I I have more Hawkwind albums than any other musical uh, artist. Do you have the the whole package for the um? What's the other live one with the pyramid and everything? Oh, for the uh, what was that festival? Yes, it was a festival. Um, I always forget the name. Yeah, I just watched a documentary about the the very first one. That uh, it was really interesting, but it made me realize that I probably would not have liked being there at the time. Most of those people seem really insufferable, just trying so hard to be like so out there and so loose and just <laughs> just being obnoxious, like, like drum circles constantly the entire weekend. Uh, being in a drum circle is fun. Is it? But it's it's awful to anyone who's outside of the circle. I've never been on the inside. <laughs> I'm a I'm a drummer. Oh, so. you are. Yeah, that was that was my first instrument.
I've I've seen Nick Turner's Hawkwind a couple times, and they have been great. Um, I've tried to see Dave Brock, but he always cancels his tours. I yeah, I think I think he's canceled enough tours at this point that he would have a hard time booking. God. another tour in the states i think he's burned his bridges yeah and if you've read uh, i don't know if you've heard my episode i did on barney bubbles but it was kind of based on that book by carol clark called uh the saga uh-huh. of hawkwind have you read that i have yeah and it made me kind of not like him because it sounded like it really bummed out barney bubbles the way he got yeah. rejected. he he seemed like he was really like maybe started off with good intentions, but then was just really about the business end. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but you know what? The guy wrote a lot of really, really great music. So yeah. I'm I'm willing to look the other way. Absolutely. Like you can't mess with those records. I mean, it's genius, but also the, the, he hated Lemmy. I mean, that was like total anti-Lemmy book. <laughs> I think he was really jealous of Lemmy because Lemmy sang like on Silver Machine, which was their only really big hit. I love Silver Machine. It's yeah. great. Yeah. And Lemmy named his band after a Hawkwind song. and But there was the controversy of, of the artist. Um, you'll know the name of the album, the first one that wasn't Barney Bubbles was Lemmy's friend. Okay. I don't know the name of the artist, but you're, but we're talking about Barney's warrior on the edge of time. I think. Yes. Warrior on the edge of time. And that broke Barney's heart a little bit. I I'm think. sure he had done all the art with, with them for so many years and painted their instruments and set up like astrological places for them to stand on stage. And yeah, the amount of work he put into that band <laughs> is insane. I don't do that much work for my own bands. <laughs> What? Uh, well, Barney wasn't normal. He was magical. Um, what would you, I, it's in my notes, what would you ask Barney Bubbles if you could talk to him? Oh, man. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. never good at, I'm, I'm not good at conversation at all, let alone <laughs> with, with mystical people like that. Wow, I know. God. Did you read the Barney Bubbles book that came out a couple years ago? Oh, yeah. Paul Gorman? Yeah. That one? Because he has the whole estate, he knows everything, and he has so many stories. If mm-hmm. you follow that Instagram, it's I like do. a gold mine. Yeah, uh, he's constantly posting stuff I've never seen before, ever, and stuff like letterhead and all kinds of weird stuff. Uh huh. How did he have the time? I mean, if the, if that's what you do for a living, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> all day long but i mean even then he died not that old yeah his career wasn't that long like he must have just been obsessed yeah absolutely i i just think it's incredible that he he did the whole hawkwind thing he went so hard and then when that ended he completely did a 180 and reinvented himself and reinvented his style and just like set the whole tone for the early punk and new wave aesthetic and everything was so appropriate for the bands too. It what he wasn't like egotistical. Yeah, I don't think it was his style too. Though at the same time, he didn't even put his name on a lot of his stuff. You could tell it was him. I, I want to ask you about the first record you remember. The first record I rem- the first record cover or just the first record record cover art. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you the first one that I think really made me pay attention to album art Mm -hmm. is 
Green Day's Dookie. I, when I was in junior high, that album came out, and I spent so much time studying every little detail of that album cover, because there's so much going on in there. Uh, and I think that had a pretty big impact on me. And it's cool, because now I'm friends with the guy who made it. Wow. And it's your kind of your style. It's an illustration. So. Yeah. It kind of showed you, like, hey, you your drawings can translate to this. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to look at it right now because I haven't looked at that record cover in so <laughs> long. But did you have? Was it a CD? Of course. Yeah. Did you have records in your home growing up? Yeah, my parents still had their record collection. Um, mm -hmm. They they weren't like big music people, so they didn't have a lot. And I don't. I don't really remember any of their albums having really standout album covers. Mm -hmm. You know, I mostly listened to the radio and Weird Al CDs uh, when I was a yes, kid. Totally. Weird Al raised me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I am looking kind of at a low res version, but I can see what's going on. I kind of want to look at all the detail, though. There's there is so, so much going on there. There's a monkey with money. Poop. Or, yeah. It's poop. poop. God, yeah. I do need to look at a higher res version, but it's just a bunch of cartoon characters playing in poop. <laughs> What's not to love when you're a 13 year old boy? So, did you have Mad Magazine? Did you love? Oh that? yeah, oh yeah. Grew up on Mad Magazine. Uh, watched a lot of Looney Tunes and Ren and Stimpy. Uh, I'm still a big cartoon guy. I watch cartoons all the time. That's that's definitely a major influence on my artwork. Are there new ones that are cool that you like? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, Adventure Time is great. Mm -hmm. um, and the same guy did a Netflix series that came out last year called Midnight Gospel. That's incredible. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, that's the one that Duncan Trussell was on. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he like, took genius. Duncan Trussell interviews <laughs> and then animated them. But the animation is a completely different story than the dialogue. So they're yeah. having like deep philosophical conversations about like, mm -hmm. what does life mean? And like, where do you go and you die? And the characters having these conversations are going on like hyper violent psychedelic journeys through space. And like going to war. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's next level. Oh my gosh. It's so great. Yeah, highly recommend, listeners. And it's on Netflix, right? It is on Netflix. Okay. Do you have an unpopular opinion? Um, Either good or bad. I, I don't know if this is unpopular, but mm -hmm. uh, something that drives me nuts, which we almost touched on earlier, mm -hmm. is people who were doing 60s psychedelic art in Photoshop. It drives me absolutely nuts. Uh -huh. Like, you don't do psychedelic font work on the computer. That's, that's sacrilegious to me. And, and so many of the people that are, that are getting like the big paying gigs, like the people who are mm -hmm. designing t-shirts and posters for all these like legacy bands that are still touring, those people aren't doing it right. I can't imagine not wanting to use paper and it looks so much better. It it looks 
a million times better. That's the psychedelic experience. It's not like building a ship in a bottle. Like that's what it feel a computer feels like to me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's crazy is a lot of those old 60s artists that are still doing posters are doing it on the computer now. They are. They are. Oh. And and their work is just it it doesn't even compare to what they used to do. I wonder why. I wonder if it has to do with eyesight failing. It could. The guy that does all the Iron Maiden stuff switched to digital at some point in his career. And that's, I think it's because he has arthritis, so he can't paint anymore. Yeah. yeah. So that that's a reasonable excuse. But I don't think all of these artists could claim that that's their, I think it's just laziness. I'm also noticing that the other programs like Procreate, are making it harder to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. You notice that too? Um, where it almost looks like it's really hard to tell. Yeah. I, I would know because my hand does different things when I'm pressing on a screen versus a piece of paper. And yeah. It drives me nuts. And I I can do certain things, like I'll create shapes, uh-huh. color fields, some textures through the computer or procreate. I can't imagine. Um, yeah, sketching and drawing that way. I I need to feel the pen on the paper, or else it's just not satisfying. It also creates a different result. It takes you on a different trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah. I I feel like doing it analog leaves more room for unintentional things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Which you know, if if you're a total con- control freak, then maybe digital is the way to go for you. But. I don't know. I I like artwork that's a little sloppy. Like R. Crumb is one of my all-time favorite artists, and his work is never perfect, and that's yeah. what makes it so great. I love the mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. What inspired me to drive a little brother, and I grew up watching He-Man cartoons, and the anatomy is what made me start drawing. Oh, like nice. Studying that anatomy and how you can tell a human being did it. It's hand-touched. Mm-hmm. You can see kind of scribbly outlines here and there. Yeah. All that. Was it Hanna-Barbera? Did they do He-Man? I don't know. I don't either. (laughs) But uh, anyways, yeah, I feel like I watch cartoons and and they're still great. But Mm -hmm. there's something a little bit lost there too, I think. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of just kind of cheap cartoons out these days. Mm-hmm. Where it just doesn't look like they're putting in the effort and the artwork, mm-hmm. um, but there's there's still some like have you ever seen the marvelous misadventures of Flapjack? No, I'm going to though. Uh, it's on Hulu and it is one of the most beautiful pieces of animation I've ever seen. I, I don't oh. I can't figure out exactly how they do it, but they're definitely combining hand drawn stuff with a lot of computer enhancement. Like all the textures are are weird computer added textures rather than being hand colored i don't know you're just gonna have to watch it it's beautiful and it's funny have you ever thought of doing animation or have you done animation uh i i don't think i have the patience for animation to be honest mm-hmm. um then you don't <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a huge fan of animation i dreamed about it as a kid but the actual work of it i i don't think I don't think I could do it. Like it drives me nuts not to be able to finish a piece in one sitting. So to have to spend months on something, I don't think I could do it, but I have been collaborating with my friend Ruben um, 
and I have been doing character design and he has been doing animation for uh, me first in the gimme gimme's over the past year. Um, they've done a couple streaming specials, one of which comes out next week. Uh, and we've had a couple of animated bits that were put in them. It is streaming on the 19th. It's at gimmegimmetv.veeps.com. Oh my gosh, so much coming up to yeah. look forward to. Everything's happening again. Yeah. Um, are, are there a tour in the works, perhaps, for the Wizards? Uh, we are doing a little bit of touring on the West Coast in early August. A couple of dates have been announced, but we're still kind of piecing that together. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we're playing a festival in Utah at the end of August. Oh, you can visit your parents? No, you mentioned Utah earlier. <laughs> they, yeah, my, it, it'll be about an hour, hour and a half away from where my parents live. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sweet. Well, maybe I'll see you in Seattle. Yeah, we're, we're working on putting together a Seattle show. We might we might end up doing Tacoma instead. That mm -hmm. that one's still up in the air. Seattle's really hard to book. Is it? Well, I think part of the problem is not all venues are booking again yet. That's right. So uh, the the options which were already somewhat limited are even more so this year. Weird year. Yeah. Well, what uh, what else do you want listeners to know? Where can people stalk you, and where can people buy your stuff? We didn't even talk about your merch, but you have some really great stuff on your website. Yeah, I got some t-shirts. I got some comic books. They're available at theartofroygbiv.com. Um, if you want to check out my artwork, I have some of it there. I've got a lot more of it on Instagram at theartofroygbiv. Uh, oh, yeah. Follow the Instagram. Yeah. It's always a good time. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. And now, to end the show, I'm going to play the song Mycelia by Glitter Wizard. Mycelia later. Bye-bye. Like the fingers of a thousand spiders reaching out from the shadow grave. I get a message from a long lost lover calling out from a pine and cookie. I can hear her whispering under the ground. I get electric chills from the awesome sound. Sound